Greetings to you all, in the name of Jesus Christ, him through, through him we have life, and life more abundantly, um, we can stand in awe of him, and um, just with the things that have been shared this morning already. Um, I I perceive that His Spirit has been leading us, and and I love it when it works that way. Um, um, William shared in his devotions about uh, the barrier of. Um, Longing for God and and uh, actually experiencing that relationship, and um, I want to touch on a barrier uh, that I think plays into that. Um, so basically. Um, I'll be speaking on forgiveness and uh, want to share a few examples. Uh, and I don't know, just built on on the thing of forgiveness. Um, I would like to start with a statement, forgiveness always has a precursor. There's always something that comes before forgiveness. It may be many things, but either I get hurt or I hurt someone or something happens. Something, something takes place that calls for forgiveness. And I think we do well to, to identify that precursor. And um, be quick to to deal with that in the proper way. Um, so the the thing of uh, well, an example to point that out and to. Um, just sharing a an example from my personal life, I guess. Um, I was recently made aware of a statement made by someone that he thinks the, the reason that our numbers don't increase is because we are self-righteous. And... Uh, you know, that kind of, something rose up within me when I heard that. Because I don't see the brotherhood as self-righteous. And I love the brotherhood. I, I don't like to hear that being said about all of us. And uh, so it, it's kind of a, a double insult. You know, uh, 
that that's the way my mind was running because it it insults the church it and and then in a very real way it insults each one of us but the more i thought about it the more i realized that you know there is truth in that statement because we all have to do with that we all need to deal with that carnality within us that loves to portray itself as righteous when in reality that carnality is is evil and only god in us is is righteous so um so much for my experience i guess but that i realized that that i need to forgive you know i i dare not hold that statement against someone um i need to forgive that person um and so you know the the thing that rose up within me i you know is anger and um and so to i don't know just help us understand uh the the depth of anger i guess um and this is taken from the dictionary strong feeling of displeasure hostility or indignation and i'm not sure which of those three words best fit my feelings of anger but maybe a combination actually a strong feeling of displeasure hostility or indignation as a result of a real or imagined threat or insult frustration or injustice toward yourself or someone who is very important to you so i thought that is a, a good description of anger and let's not um the the imagined threat or insult you know we we are quick to to uh well in my example we're i am quick to to judge that statement and when maybe in reality uh the hurt or the threat that i experience is just imagined um but that that stirs anger okay so <clears throat> um there's an example in the old testament that uh, uh the story of jacob i think there's a, a good lesson for us to learn in forgiveness in that account um we know that that uh jacob and esau were quite different 
by nature, and it did cause its problems. Um, it appears that their mother was partial to Jacob, and and we know how that he received the blessing rather than his firstborn brother Esau, and and all that, and how that uh, he left his home and went to his uncle uh, for employment in um, and okay so his mother took the excuse that she doesn't like these ladies here in this land that that she doesn't want her son Jacob to take a wife from these people but that he, he should go to her homeland and and find a wife there, which he did, and actually two wives. We know that story. Um, but he left home fleeing the wrath of his brother, okay? Uh, so there was a certain amount of fear that, that he fled in. He had some fear when he, when he left. Um, and there's so many details in the story, I don't have time to, to even try to refer to them all, but uh, we know that, that God also had a plan or had a hand in the entire uh, scope of, of Jacob's life, how that you know, he, he came to a spot and at nighttime or whatever, he, he slept using a stone for his pillow, and there he dreamed and named that place. Um, I think that name still stands today, possibly. Uh, but then he came to Laban's house, which was his uncle, and served there for 20 years, and then then actually God told him to return to his homeland. And um, so he prepared to do that. But what I wanted to point out here is that um, I think that, so, so Jacob fled from his brother Esau and basically just put him out of sight and out of mind uh, for 20 years. And then I was, I was reading in the account earlier and uh, this morning and um, through Jacob uh, working with God, or however you would say that, uh, Laban's okay. So the twenty years that that Jacob served Laban, Laban's flocks uh, greatly increased. He didn't have a lot when Jacob got there, but Jacob cared for his flocks, his herds, and they greatly increased. Laban became a rich man. And then. So he served seven years for one wife, seven for the second, and six years for 
um, for the flock. Um, and in those, in those six years, God literally transferred Laban's riches to, to Jacob. And Jacob was the one with the vast flocks and herds. Okay, so he, he left his home in fear of the wrath of his brother and just involved himself deeply in, in, in uh, his wives, his herds, and all that. But he, he never tended that, that issue with Esau. He never saw to that. He just put it aside, put it aside. Um, he, we don't read that he communicated with Esau at all in those 20 years. Um, and I'm not saying that, that God was not with him in that time. Um, but this this thing was not taken care of. So this has been a, a new thought for me, actually. Uh, but in studying it, and I've come to believe that that. Uh, Jacob really did not forgive Esau for uh, wanting to kill him. Um, that that always stood there, and so <clears throat> all that um, uh, it shows us that that. Forgiveness has a precursor, and it the the lack of forgiveness is not a way of peace. Um, but it is the the contrite heart that leads in the way of righteousness. Um, and so, to understand contrite heart, uh, broken in spirit by sense of guilt or by a sense of guilt, uh, or showing a deep regret or sorrow, uh, it, it connects to uh, being humbled. So um, the, the humbled heart uh, leads in the way of forgiveness. And so um <clears throat> if we continue in the story of Jacob um I would encourage you to read it I just don't I have to skip some of those details that would be interesting to speak of but when he left um 
he did so in secret without Laban knowing it. Laban was away at the time, and and it, it actually angered Laban when he left, and he pursued Jacob, and they had their their uh, argument there, and but they they departed in peace then, but uh, it was after that. Um, Jacob had sent um, some of his people to meet Esau, and they returned saying that he's coming with 400 men. Um, and, and Jacob was afraid. And, but he did turn to God. Um, so in, in Genesis 32, 11 through 16, um, it starts with, uh, with Jacob's prayer. He said, I am not worthy of the least of all thy mercy, of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I, I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. As thou saidst, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. And he lodged there that same night and took of that which came to his hand, a present for Esau his brother, two hundred she-goats and twenty he-goats, two hundred ewes and twenty rams, thirty milk camels and their colts, forty kine and ten bulls, twenty she-asses and ten foals. And he delivered them into the hand of his servants, every drove by themselves, and said unto his servants, Pass over before me, and put a space between, betwixt drove and drove. So, uh, to me, this is just more indication that that forgiveness had not taken place uh, on Jacob's part, and definitely not on Esau's part, because he, he came to meet Jacob with 400 men to kill him after 20 years of, of just suppression. Um, so I, I think if I remember correctly... Um, Jacob prepared these droves like the night before. And then that night, he wrestled with uh, an angel of God. Um, and we know how that, um, you know, they wrestled until, until daybreak. And um, the angel asked him to, asked Jacob that he would let him go and, and he said he wouldn't until he blessed him and we don't read a whole lot he touched uh, Jacob's thigh so that he was lame the rest of his days uh, 
But I think the lesson I want to, to, or the point that I want to make in all this is that, uh, which we heard this morning already, that God speaks to us and uh, whether we're listening or not. Okay, so if we think of, of Jacob's life and, and consider that, that the, neither of the, of the twins were, were willing to forgive each other, and I think God desired, God knew that, that this was still a barrier in, in Jacob's life, his unforgiveness. And although Jacob uh, depended on God, he looked to him for for uh, guidance in caring for the flocks, and and God actually told him to to return. Um, it was not it was not just Jacob's idea, but God told him to. And um, but there was still something that was not quite right. Um, and and I think it was simply that. And and. So the wrestling that took place um, up to that point, Jacob, I think, resisted forgiving. And, and I have come to believe that that, that was the, the issue, that that wrestling was all about bringing Jacob to the point where he was ready to forgive. And um, after, after that, um, after the angel departed, a, a, a part of his speech was, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. I think he was, he was now broken. Uh, he, was, he was ready to forgive and just, just present himself as he was. Um, and, and that is where God wants each of us to be as well. And, and think of what happened. You know, so... I, I get things mixed up, but he he did send this these droves of gifts to to Esau. Those went first, I believe. Um, and we read that that Esau just brushed those aside and went on past. You know, he was he was after Jacob. Jacob. Uh, after he had sent those off, he arranged his wives and the rest of the flocks, and and he had a sequence he wanted them to travel in, and I think his Rachel, his if I got that name right, his favorite wife. 
Sure. Was she along then? At one point, she died at the at the birth of Benjamin. So I'm not sure which came first there, but anyway. Then Jacob himself went to the front of of that group, and and started that next morning when he then met Esau. When he saw him coming, he, he bowed himself to the earth seven times. Just, uh, we don't understand that gesture like they did, I don't believe. But it, it, to me it was a, a symbol of, of submission, of, of um, seeking forgiveness. And Esau came running, grabbed him, hugged him, kissed him when he had set out to kill him. So we see that God blesses that contrite spirit, that penitent heart ready to, to just, you know, surrender everything and let God have his way. Um, so if we shift our minds now to the thing of a contrite spirit, um, scriptures <clears throat> speaking of that, Psalms 34, 17 to 19, the righteous cry and the Lord heareth, he delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. He saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Um, there's more. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not des despise. Um, Isaiah says, I dwell in a high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. And then he says, why? Okay, so if we slow down a little bit, God said, I dwell in a high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. <clears throat> I think we are granted peace through forgiveness and repentance. Um, so I had shared this at time of communion, I think. Um, I would like to share it again, just, um, just to, to fortify our understanding of forgiveness um, the, to, to help us to forgive from our heart. Um, and this is taken from um, an, an audio, a sermon preached by I forget whom, but 
because I listened to two different ones. I didn't record it on in my notes, and I've I've lost that. But these are not my words. Um, forgiveness is the giving up of resentment, rage, or expressions of anger. The giving up of resentment against someone and our so-called right to get even, no matter what has been done to us. The giving up of resentment and our right to get even, no matter what has been done to us, is the surrendering of my right to hurt you back if you hurt me. If I really and truly forgive, I give up my right to hurt you back or to pay you back for what you did to me. Now, unforgiveness is the deliberate, willful refusal to give up one's resentment and right to get even. It's often based on the, on the thought, somebody needs to pay. And is oftentimes the thing that keeps people from being forgiving. Unforgiveness demands payment from somebody. Forgiveness, though, says, don't hold it against them. I don't hold it over their heads to demand them pay me back for something that happened. It's the giving up, the surrendering. As Paul says, lay it down, put it aside. It's the putting aside of our right to get even with someone. So, so are you saying that if, if somebody wrongs you in any way, are you to forgive and forget the whole time? I'm saying forget, forgive. What about, but, but it's okay to go ahead and still remember what happened to you. We remember it, but we don't... Um, it would be nice if we did forget. Okay. But in our human frame, we tend to remember. And I don't think that we have to worry about remembering the incident. The danger we face is not forgiving the individual. And like Jacob, just, just putting it aside and going on with life, putting it aside and going on with life, that is so easy and it comes so naturally for us to do. But Jacob, I sincerely believe that's what Jacob did. He did not forgive from his heart his brother's wrath. And, and he came face to face with God and he wrestled with this angel all night. And the reason he wrestled all night is because it took him that long to come to the point where he was broken and ready to forgive Esau. And just, here I am.
Jacob knew when God told him to return. Jacob knew that Esau was still mad. He knew that he didn't feel right toward Esau. He didn't forget that. And like I said, I don't think we have to feel bad if we remember an incident. The danger is, and the thing that I would like for us to, and, and I'm including myself in this. I, believe me, I, I need this just as much as anyone else. But to, to just push the issue aside and, and not forgive the individual from our hearts is, is the danger and the need for that is what I would like to, for us to, to uh, better understand, to, to grow in, I guess. Okay, so through that forgiveness, we have a peace that, that we did not have before. First um, John 1, 7 through 9, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And I take that having fellowship one with another as, as peace. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that, that cleansing is what we want. We desire that. And we know that we need it. We, we know we are needy. And um, being forgiven and forgiving is very essential uh, to all that. Um, you know, we we want peace. We we desire that, and we we enjoy peace. You know, living here in America, we have we have uh, extreme blessings in peace. In one sense of that word, but it's that the inner peace that that we so desire and and is so vital in our life, and and it is what takes us to heaven in a sense. There's more that could be said there. Okay, so that's what we desire, but we struggle to forgive. And I know that because I'm guilty of it. I, I struggle with that at times. Okay, so <clears throat> there's, there's obstacles that, that prevent us from forgiving. Uh, and again... This is not my study. I just simply um, 
listened to an audio and made notes as, as I was starting and stopping it. So obstacles in forgiveness, only wanting to forgive someone, not following through with actually forgiving. Rehearsing what someone did to myself, that's an obstacle in me forgiving that person. I just, in my mind, I just run it through over and over and over again what someone did to hurt me. That's an obstacle in forgiving him. Pride is often a major issue. The fear of being taken advantage of at the time of asking forgiveness, fear of being rejected, fear of the thought of appearing weak, thoughts like they will misunderstand me. These obstacles are all excuses for not dealing with the issue. You may be misunderstood, you may be rejected, or you may be weak. All these things may be true, but all these things may keep you from being liberated. We are talking about freedom from the enslavement of anger, hostility, bitterness, resentment, or all the things that happen in a person's life when they are unforgiving. On avoiding facing forgiveness, often what people do is think that the situation, what other person said or what they did, think about that situation, then say, well, they probably didn't mean that. Probably it was a mistake. If you try to justify someone else's wrong to you in order to not face forgiveness, you are actually keeping yourself in a situation where you are still enslaved by an unforgiving spirit. I appreciate um, the depth of that sermon. I, I hope to find it again. I attempted to and, and failed, but um, there's, there's much more than in that sermon than what I have shared. Um, so, so far now we've spoken of Forgiveness having a precursor. Uh, there's obstacles uh, that would prevent us from, from forgiving. Um, another verse I have here in my notes, uh, Hebrews 9, 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Okay, so making the comparison between the, the offering of the blood of bulls and goats to that of Christ, which is our redemption. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Okay, so Christ is the mediator. He is the one who gives us peace. Um, 
he is the one through whom we have forgiveness. And we we need to become broken enough to receive that uh, in order to be able to forgive others. Okay, so this next this next section I titled as developing an attitude of peace. Um, I think I will skip on to the next part because I'm running out of time, which is um, forgiveness before God. Okay, so so far we've mainly been speaking of forgiving one another, uh, forgiving others and being forgiven of them. Um, so let's speak a little bit on forgiveness before God and <clears throat> consider that we are forgiven in the same manner as we forgive. And that is quite weighty, actually. Um, Starting Colossians 3, verses 12 through, seven, 12 through 17 was my reference, but I probably won't read all of that. Um, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. Okay, so considering you, ourselves, as the elect of God, Holy, beloved, bowels of mercy. Let me start over. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do he. So, we're, we are called to, to the graces of mercy, kindness, humbleness, um, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another. But then we are also called to forgive one another. Even as Christ forgave us, we need to forgive him or forgive each other. And so how did Christ forgive us? Did he just push aside our propitiations and drill down on us in wrath like Esau? No. <clears throat> he forgave us freely through the act of, of Jesus' suffering, his death and resurrection. He forgives us freely. Okay? The commandment here is, even as Christ forgive, forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. I, 
that statement, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Um, to me, it was like, you know, just, just forgive. Like the, the picture of Jacob, you know, he, he struggled and he struggled and he struggled. But finally, he was at the point of, of surrender. And, and the, the man he feared the most, he just he he met him, bowing seven times. Uh, just an awesome picture of of brokenness, and and things just flipped, you know. So let the peace of God allow it to rule in your heart. To the which ye all to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Ephesians 4.32, that's a familiar verse. I wonder what your mind goes to um, if you think of Ephesians 4.32. Um, because to me, that is the verse where it says, be ye kind one to another. You know, that's the main, the main message in that verse for me. I realized it's not. It continues to say, Tender-hearted, okay. Be ye kind one to another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. We are forgiven as we forgive. Um, the 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 very next verse after the end of the Lord's prayer. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Just a few more on, on the thing of Christ fully forgives us. There's not, there's not that, that obstacle holding back a little bit of forgiveness for us. He fully forgives us for the wrongs which we have done and for all our iniquities. You know, it, it's, it's full and complete and it's free. Psalms 103, 1-4. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, and who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. The fruit of, of forgiveness. Um, and forgive me for, for not being a little broader in my statement there. Um, 
but forgiveness is a large part of it. And there's there's more that could be included there. But uh, Psalms 103, verse 12. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. And we've heard this, the rest of this earlier today. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Is that not wonderful? In Hebrews 10, we find, I will put my laws in their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Um, I don't know what more to say. Um, the our sins and iniquities, God will remember no more. Uh, and I think that is by choice. He chooses not to remember. And um, I think to a degree we also can do that. Um, not as thoroughly as God, I don't believe, but but I think that that we can, uh, our mindset changes and, and we don't, okay, so, someone does something and, and I take hurt, okay, and, and so my mind just goes round and round and round with that little incident and, uh, although I know that I should forgive him and I would want to, but it just keeps going on and on and on. It's, it's an obstacle. Well, once I get rid of that obstacle and I truly forgive him, then my mind stops that churning. And I, I don't think of it as much. So in a sense, we can train ourselves to forget um, I would encourage that. I need that encouragement. Um, so, I guess I will leave it there. Um, not a not a very nice conclusion, maybe, but uh, hopefully we can can. Uh, learn and grow in in grace so at this time i will open for thoughts any testimony or sharing that you would do uh want to share uh instances of experiences in forgiving or uh, whatever you might have